as it has been, is over. That phase is on some fun. Let's be ready for anything. Welcome to Set Phasers to Fun. I'm Charlie Fonville. And I'm Megan Gogarty. Here we are, episode number two, Megan. We've made it. It's the the success and response of episode one has been overwhelming. We did get canceled. <laughs> we're, we're back, like it or not. What are we going to talk about today, Megan? Um, I thought that we would have fun talking about uh, actors and cameos on on the show that we recognize from other projects. And I'm like, oh, that, that, it's that guy. My favorite, uh, Lieutenant Barkley, Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz. Mad Dog Murdoch. I had the hugest crush on Howlin' Mad Murdoch as a child. Really? Huge, oh, huge, way bigger than face. And in fact, I think that my early crush on Howlin' Mad Murdoch from the A-Team set the trajectory of all future pop culture crushes I would have. Like, my whole life. Who'd you move on to? If there was ever, like, the nerdy, funny one, like, that's the one I'm going to latch on to. And it started with Howlin' Man Murdoch. So then when he appears as as Lieutenant Reginald Barkley, I was like, oh, look at him. He's just as awkward as me, only he has a holodiction. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Broccoli, they called him. I know that it. That was sad. It was sad. He is like the, the deviation because everybody else is like good at their jobs, which I guess he kind of is. But, you know, he's like the Barkley get it together. Well, and then there's he comes back in another episode where he gets um, his brain gets hijacked by the alien and he becomes super smart. Yeah. They make a wonderful reference like Jordy's like, oh, you're one of my best engineers, Reg. Of course I want you on this mission. And that made me feel really good inside. I was like, see, he is good at his job. If he would just get over his crippling social anxiety, he could actually do something good. And not have weird sex fantasies on the holodeck, (laughs) which (laughs) Which everybody did. But he was the one who got caught. Lock the door is is the big advice. Computer, run Barclay Program 15. I am the goddess of empathy. Cast off your inhibitions. Apparently Dwight Schultz has grown up to be a um, conservative radio host. Oh no. Which I discovered. I know, it was a real boner shrinker to find out that your childhood crush is growing up to be a conservative radio host. I recently watched the one where the Enterprise C comes back and Christopher McDonald showing up. Shooter McGavin. Uh, wow! He was the first. He wasn't the first officer. He was one of the guys on the from the old ship they sent back to their death. That's right. And he made out with Tasha. Well, somebody had to, so he just he did it. Here's my favorite. Um, it, here's a, he was a character actor, and when I first saw him on Next Generation, like it didn't register. But then later, Harry Grainer, he was in the Tin Man, right? He plays the empath. But then later. He becomes the mayor on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So then when I go back and watch Next Generation, I'm like, oh, the empath who who makes friends with the alien life form is really the mayor from Buffy. And it just it just filled me with such joy. Like he's all young and, and empathetic and sweet and not villainous. Oh, and it's just like, I know where you're going. I know your future as an actor, is to be maybe the very best villain on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The weird one that I didn't remember was uh, David Ogden Steers from M.A.S.H. 
uh, showed oh. up. He fell in love with Counselor Troy's mom. Yes, yes. And then he had to, and then he had to go kill himself because of he, he turned sixty. Is that or something. the one when where Michelle Forbes was his daughter, who then would later, who's like, why aren't you killing yourself? Be a man and kill yourself. I think that's right. And then she comes back later as Ensign Rowe, and we're all like, no, yep. you weren't the mean daughter before. Now you have exciting eyebrows. She was the um, other captain. Remember when they uh, when they're flying around and they right. find another battle star, and yeah. she's this sort of ass kicking captain who then like gets evil. Yeah, she like steals every she steals resources so they can yeah. continue. It's the it's the eyebrows of destiny. Um, mean daughter was just the beginning. I love that they bring her back for Anson Rowe. And here's the other thing I love is they're like, oh yeah, we can totally get away with it bringing an actor in for another character. We can totally get away with it. And what's great about it is they totally did get away with it. My father taught me to cherish the resolution. I don't know how you have poisoned him to reject it. It's an obscene ritual. How dare you? How dare you criticize my way of life and my beliefs? Please. I'm going to sing the praises of B.B. New Earth. That was the one where Riker crashed. Riker crash lands on a planet and that they're trying to make first contact with but haven't yet. And he gets exposed as an alien. And the mob in the hospital is going to rip him to shreds. And B.B. Newworth, who is a huge Broadway star in real life, and was also played Fraser Crane's wife, Lilith, on Cheers. So she has this whole sort of following. She plays one of the hospital workers. who, And she says, I will rescue you, but first you must make love to me. And it's just classic. So we know that Riker does make love to her. But what's wonderful is that he's an alien. So he gets to decide... Like, what is, quote, lovemaking, unquote. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe he's like, Here's, my species makes love by blowing air kisses really fast. Yeah, we're done. Get me out of the hospital. Like, he can set the terms. I have to get back on my ship. In space. I believe you. Now, will you help me? If you make love to me. What? I've always wanted to make love with an alien. The original cast, the original show guys, appeared quite a bit. I never liked that. I think I like the Scotty one the most. You're rolling your eyes. I am. <laughs> I don't like it. The thing I liked the least was the... Um, I think it was like maybe the first or second episode where, um, where Bones showed up. And he was 200 years old. And he kept calling Data boy. I, just, I don't which buy made me it uncomfortable. at all. It just is such sloppy fan service. Hey, kids, you like Bones? Here he is. We're going to roll <laughs> his old Bones out for the show. Oh, he's still alive because of nutrients. Like, I just don't buy it at all. It's just garbage. I got to get me some of them nutrients. Right? At least when Spock comes back. Like, Spock would be that old. So I'll. So it's it doesn't strain credulity. I mean, I guess I buy that, like, human lifespan would be a little bit longer, but... Yeah, but then wouldn't everybody be that old? It's But no, he's the oldest. Like, he's the only one. He's 124, and he's gonna card out, and he's in that terrible old age makeup, and he's all, ugh, awful. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that he calls Data boy really bothers me. Data's almost too opposite of black for it not to count yeah it's too does that make sense he's silver and it's clearly just i don't know yeah it just makes me uncomfortable but at your age sir i thought you shouldn't have to put up with the time and trouble of a shuttlecraft hold it right there boy i don't see no points on your ears boy uh mick fleetwood <gasps> was in an episode as one of the antedian 
fish men who lived in shower curtains. Well, you know, you do enough drugs, eventually you become a, a fish alien. I guess my question is, if you're McFleetwood and you love Star Trek, why would you do that, that one? <laughs> when you want your face to be in it, why would you want to go through five hours of makeup? Or another way of putting it, if you are a Star Trek producer and Mick Fleetwood comes to you and it's like, I really want to be in your show, wouldn't you be like... Face first, through like, do you know what I mean? Right. May, may or yeah. may not give him any lines, but by God, yeah. Well, I mean, this it's like the classic Joe Piscopo episode, where Data uh, goes to the holodeck to learn about comedy, and the only comedian he can find in the holodeck computer is Joe Piscopo, and Joe Pisco is like, I'm gonna teach you about jokes, and he's like, Oh my God, like yeah. you couldn't find Lenny yeah. Bruce. In your holodeck, you couldn't find really any yeah. other comedian besides Joe Piscopo. Henny Youngman's still alive at that time. Any number of classic comedians still alive. I'm not sure Henny Youngman would have been appreciated the gig. M- Milton Berle. Any, anybody. Anybody besides Joe anybody Piscopo. But, anybody but Piscopo. That's our new <laughs> campaign here at the show. <laughs> the other sad thing about it is I feel bad for Joe Piscopo because the comedian, the character that he played couldn't actually tell any good jokes like he doesn't have a single decent joke in that episode and if i were joe piscopo who i understand is a professional comedian i might be like let me punch up your script a little bit but no joe piscopo's like works fine for me happy to tell this uh quote joke unquote it's your it's your studio 60 on the sunset strip thing where they had a non-comedy writer write write the jokes yes and the jokes weren't good jokes weren't good Hashtag anybody but Piscopo. Anybody but Piscopo <laughs> is right on. That is considered to be funny? Uh, you know what one delighted me? Uh, celebrities of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Frewer showing up. Max Hedrum himself. Yes. Uh, wow. Wow. I was a young Charlie Fonville excited about that Well, one. And he was so charismatic in that episode. And a great twist. That was a good episode. Yeah, it was. That was fun that he was uh, he was from he was from the past, but a real futuristic explorer showed up. He killed him and took his ship, and then pretended to be from the future himself. But he was going to steal inventions and take them back to the past. Which is wonderful. Don't you want to combine that narrative with Max Headroom? Brace yourself for I don't know five ten years from now a Max Headroom advertising campaign to appeal to us. Absolutely. That's how they're going to sell us into our retirement homes, Charlie. That's true. <laughs> like, they're going to be like, how do we get these Gen X oldies into their retirement homes so the millennials can take their job? I know. Let's have a, a max headroom. I'm sure that's what Piscopo's doing now. Like, what's Piscopo doing now? He's trying to get the boomers into the retirement homes. Guy, you know who would have been great? Gallagher. Gallagher would have been great. There are so many comedians. You know what? Listen, this show was made in the late 80s when they're just coming off the comedy boom. They, they could have just sneezed and hit a comedian. They, Ellen DeGeneres? Roseanne yep. Barr? Sam Kinison? What was Sam doing? Throw him a he, job. He might have been dead. Bill Hicks? Bill Hicks? <laughs> Can you imagine if Bill Hicks and Data had a conversation about comedy? It might go a little something like this. <laughs> You never hear any positive stories about drugs, data. Hashtag anybody but Piscopo. Anybody but Piscopo. <laughs> We're going to get this thing trending. Poor Joe. He's going to write in and be like, you guys, I don't deserve this kind of treatment. You're kicking me while I'm down. What if he is also a conservative radio host? What if all of the guest stars on Star Trek, like the dirty little secret is if once you're a guest star on Star Trek, 
then you go on to become a conservative radio host, like Dwight Schultz. He does host Piscopo in the Morning in New York <gasps> on 9.70 a.m., The Answer. Look, The Answer. Is that or is that not a conservative show? Because if it were a liberal show, it would be called The Question. <laughs> <laughs> There's a typo on his website. Oh, dear. It's not Piscopo, uh, is it? No, it says uh, there are no ordinary Joes, and there's an apostrophe in Joes. Oh, Joe. Joe. That's what's happening. I'm telling Uh, you, I haven't heard hide nor hair of that radio show, but I will bet you ten shiny dollars that it is, like, um, at the very least, like, libertarian and bent. Like, it's all got to be like, you kids, get off of my lawn. I really want to listen to Mick Fleetwood's conservative uh, (laughs) radio show. Maybe the maybe the pounds of latex that he wore on the show protected him. That's true. From the from the Reaganism that was seeping out of the eighties. Now is are women also protected? Like is Bibi Newworth doing one? That's a good question. Or Ashley Judd, for that matter. Ashley Judd um, made yeah. out with Will Wheaton, and so maybe that protected her a little bit. She and our friend Alexis have that in common. That's right. And it looks like you're wearing the uh, famous... I am! Total coincidence! Because I wear it all the time. I am wearing my Wesley Crusher hoodie. Listeners will remember from the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a Wesley Crusher uh, hoodie that is a replica of the season one that I got from ThinkGeek, who should totally be sponsoring our podcast. They should really consider it. Shut up, Wesley. <sighs> Joe Pisco's wearing a hoodie on his website to look young, I guess. Oh, Joe. You're not fooling mm. anybody, Joe. I hate to... I don't I don't want to just turn this into a rag on Joe Piscopo, but, man, why did he have to be on our show? There's two problems with the Joe Piscopo. Problem one is Joe Piscopo and his life choices. But problem two, and this is not Joe Piscopo's fault, because he's just a guy <laughs> looking for a gig. But whoever it was who cast Joe Piscopo as the quintessential 20th century American comedian has some explaining to do. I gotta guess the writers were, that was that was hilarious to them. Were they making a ploy? I mean, that was after he was on SNL, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it's one of those things that on paper, I bet with the writers, they just wrote it. They're like, oh, we should get a, a comedian. They didn't maybe specify Pes- Piscopo. Like, I'm inventing a narrative now. Like, I have no idea. But let's say, like, I'm the writer of that episode, and I'm like, ah, oh, we'll get a comedian. And then you write it, and then someone's like, well, Piscopo's available. They would have been much better to go down to Central Casting and cast some Yahoo that nobody's ever heard of. God, George Burns was still alive, right? George Burns was still alive. He was hot. He just came off a Oh God book, too. Get him on the show. What, you couldn't meet his quote? Come on, Star Trek. Now, according to the, uh, the wiki here, it says, according to Joe Piscopo, he was allowed to improvise much of his own jokes. Which is, oh. which is worse. Oh, no. Joe, your star is falling in my sky. That's horrible. Well, it serves him right to become a conservative radio host. That's all conjecture, but I don't see how it could be wrong. Now, this is, imp- this is impossible. This is an impossible sentence to read. He was happily performing at casinos and clubs around the country, he said, when his pal Dr. Rock Positano, the foot doctor of the stars, suggested he consider getting into radio. No. I don't believe any of those words, including that the, the foot doctor to the stars part. Right. I wish to know what is funny. It's funny. I don't know. Tip O'Neill in a dress. Famke Johnson also. <gasps> yes, she was great. Yeah, she was the she was the like the perfect uh, mate. Yes, who you could imprint on. She would imprint on you and then she would be yours forever. Like a baby duck. 
<laughs> or like in the the Twilight books, if you catch a werewolf at the right time, the werewolf will imprint on you, and then the werewolf will be your perfect mate forever. I'm sure whoever wrote the, whatever the name of the woman who wrote the Twilight books was a big Star Trek fan, and she was like, "I'm gonna take Famke Johnson, and I'm gonna turn her into Taylor Lautner." <laughs> A big MVP on the show, James Cromwell. Oh, yes. He was in multiple episodes. He was in multiple episodes. He was in the movie. He was in First Contact. What's fun is to imagine the character he played in First Contact, which was this, like, like hippie, groovy scientist from Earth. And the other character that I remember him from Next Gen, which is he was, like, the prime minister on, the like, the cleanest planet on Earth. Right. Or not on Earth, but the cleanest planet in the, in the universe. It was like super clean and they all wore those exciting mock turtlenecks and and their business unitards. Like <laughs> Was that the one? <laughs> that was the one where the, the reb there were rebels, right? There was yeah. They and they had sentenced him to death. Like the the guy had escaped from the right. from the prison planet. Right. And and they were like, But our it, you're so unshaven and we we are so <laughs> clean in our business unitards. Uh, I think our first two pieces of merch uh, for the show are going to be um, business unitards and shirts <laughs> shirts that say anyone but Piscopo. <laughs> We're going cross-platform marketing. You know how Facebook has their inter-Facebook advertisements? Like right. Based on the things you post, they try to like target you. Facebook right. has been trying to sell me business yoga pants forever. I didn't know such a thing existed. Me neither, but Facebook wants me to really buy them and i'm like look you just keep extending those all the way up to the shoulders and we'll talk you know who else wore a business unitard (laughs) was saul rubinek and that was a good one where he was like the collector yes those oh that's the one where he kidnaps data they thought data had gotten blowed up but he really was in his uh, menagerie and he had to put on the uniform put on the little costume he's like put on this costume or i'm gonna Oh, he was so slimy in that. He would have been great. They should have cast him as the 20th century comedian. Anybody but Piscopo. Anybody but Piscopo. (laughs) What we should do is go through a list of all of the guest stars who would have been a better 20th century comedian than Piscopo. Ashley Judd would have been a better comedian than Piscopo. Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher? You know she's got some comic chops. She would have been better than Piscopo. Kelsey Grammer? Kelsey Grammer would kill it. He would kill it. Also a conservative. This is what happens. If any production designers or anything are listening to the show, we would like to hear what you put in the sets and or the carpeting to turn everybody into a conservative radio host. We know that it was like Reagan dander that was floating around California at the time. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Oh, Terry O'Quinn from Lost? Oh, sure. Walking around? (laughs) Not, Uh, not Not in a wheelchair? Although that would have been great if he had been. That would have been a weird thing to be typecast. An able-bodied actor, yet typecast as someone who was in a wheelchair. I think I found the one person who guest starred on a Star Trek who was worse, would be worse than Joe Piscopo. All right, let's hear it. As Joe Piscopo, and it's Andy Dick. He was in a Voyager episode. I don't know. I think I'd... Can you imagine if Andy Dick taught Data how to do comedy? Whoopi Goldberg! Would have been a better... God, you could do like a winky thing where she was she went by Whoopi Goldberg re- briefly. Sure. In the 20th century. That would have been fantastic. Ugh. So many missed opportunities. 
That's probably my biggest heartbreak of the whole show. The missed opportunity that was the Piscopo casting. Should we do a fan reboot of that episode? <laughs> See if we can get everybody back except for Piscopo. All right, it started. Guys, start your hashtags. If we get enough tweets, we'll do this. <laughs> by, by enough would mean any. <laughs> right. <laughs> evidence that anyone is listening to this besides us it's probably gonna be piscopo he's gonna write in and be like these these kids today is why we need to lower taxes that's right (laughs) i'm gonna go put a deposit down at the staples center (laughs) sponsored by dwight schultz conservative radio show (laughs) we'll make it a campaign event for ashley judd (laughs) if she decides to run for something dr kelso from scrubs was a was a scientist in an episode that's right Ken Jenkins. They always had rogue scientists trying to destroy whatever they were working on. Was that when the... Sh- oh, the nanites took over. That's right. Right. Again, Wesley Crusher screwing it up for everybody. Dr. Kelso wanted to genocide the nanites. And the nanites are all like, we feel... The nanites would have been better than Piscopo. <laughs> What's the deal with carbon-based life forms? <laughs> <laughs> It's just some of their observational humor that they do. We meant no harm. We were... exploring. Oh, and that Jerry Lewis impression. Ugh. Ugh. You know who would have been better than Joe Piscopo is the... Uh, Sonia, instant Sonia Gomez, who is the, uh, <laughs> the briefly appearing uh, comedic character that just didn't work out. No, she's not funny at all. No. She just bumbles around. She does. She's like, oh, I'll just, I'll never get it together. I'm so freaked out by the higher ups. Right. And Jordy's all like, hey, it's going to be fine. But that can't last because Jordy is the only awkward one in engineering. There's right. the only one and it's Jordy. That's right. And who has an open, like, cup of coffee on the engineering? Like, there are tables there. It's all workspace. Sure. You don't just set that on a touch screen. What are you thinking? That is such a it's a it's a contrivance. And yeah. I don't care for it. No, not at all. I do invite you to read my Instant Sonia Gomez fanfic novel series that I wrote. <laughs> In it, she um, starts dating the the Holodex version of a twentieth century comedian, and together they do unfunny things. Forever in time. Do you think that uh, Barkley ever visited uh, the Piscopo simulation? Maybe they did and they would talk about Reagan. You think Barkley took his date, Troy, his who was like a wood nymph? Remember Barkley was in love with Troy as a wood nymph? Sure. Like, I feel your feelings. Come feel my feelings. Uh, yeah. We feel feelings together. And he's like, I got a swinging hot comedy club we could go visit. <laughs> we could learn. It's an anti-comedy club. It repels comedy. I bet Wesley visits Joe Piscopo in the holodeck and has the best time well, ever. Why doesn't anyone like us? Ho, ho, ho. Now, a Jerry Lewis impression off between Piscopo and Crusher, I would watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sheer, the sheer Crusherness of it. <laughs> God. Poor Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is awesome. As lame as Wesley Crusher is, Will Wheaton is fabulous in real life. Like, he's totally yeah, awesome. Yeah, of course. He does awesome stuff, and he's really funny and thoughtful and smart. 
I'm a huge Will Wheaton fan. Uh, my friend, uh, Hal Ludlin, uh, from our, I'm going to go ahead and call it our sister podcast. Um, we got this, uh, which I think we're going to have a crossover episode. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, where they, he and Mark Agliardi, another friend, uh, they take one big question and answer it definitively, such as, uh, do you put the toilet paper under or over, etc. Fantastic. Uh, but Hal Lublin has done some uh, sketch work with, uh, was on Will Wheaton's show. But has he made out with him? Because that's what we're really tracking. Uh, find out next week. I recently read about Will Wheaton was talking about how much hairspray he had to use on that show and how when he would take a shower, he would feel all run down his back. Oh. He was giving me serious 80s flashbacks. Sure. Well, I, I really miss my satellite bangs. Uh. <laughs> bangs in the shape of a satellite dish were extraordinary. I, I would like to see a photo of that. This has been episode two of Set Phasers to Fun. Thanks for listening. My phasers are so set to fun right now. I don't know if I can set them any higher. It's the funnest. <laughs> it is the funnest. Uh, I think it's the best 30 minutes in podcasting today. <laughs> talking about Star Trek. It's talking about a show that went off the air um, 20 years ago. Uh, it is. It does say something that, that people like us can still get upset about a guest star on one episode. <laughs> That's true. 28 years ago. That's true. That is remarkable. It speaks, you know what? It speaks to our for, our fortitude. We have a it's a it's a good character reference for us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, don't don't forget uh, hashtag anybody but Piscopo, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The funny man of the stars, the android of antics. That Lieutenant Commander of Mirth, please give him a nice welcome, ladies and gentlemen. None other than, he's just the best, Data. Say goodbye, Data. Goodbye, Data. <laughs> <laughs>